What was the secret of the Maccabim that they knew that allowed them to create a, the Maccabees? Oh, Maccabees, okay. What was the Maccabees secret that allowed them to bring the victory of light over darkness in a way that, till today, wherever you go in the world, you see Meneris, you see the miracle of Hanukkah, we're celebrating. What is it that they had? Just, just for a story uh, this year, uh, Rabbi Chitrick from Nuremberg. Nuremberg is a place where the Nazis uh, made their announcement of revoking Jewish citizenship and and their parades and their and their uh, uh, the center of their activities in Nuremberg. And when the Nazis were judged after the war, where were they judged? They were judged in Nuremberg. And uh, in Nuremberg this year, you heard this story? Rabbi Chitrick from Nuremberg got this email from um, this non-Jew who said that um, in Kristallnacht, uh, when the Nazis were burning down all the Jewish stores and, and shuls, okay. so this guy's uncle, he went into the shul, which was burning, and he took, he stole the golden menorah in the shul. Why not, right? It's burning anyways. So he stole it. This non-Jewish guy's uncle stole, stole the, the golden menorah, and uh, he had it in his house for 84 years, and he wanted to give it back. But who's going to give it back to? But now the Shul Nuremberg is active, the same Shul. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was restored. Yeah. And so, so, he, he, so he brought the, the menorah back. And this year, for the first time, they're lighting the menorah that hasn't been lit in 84 years. Wow. So, this year. Huh? This, this year. This, this, this year. So there's something that the Maccabees knew, some secret they knew, that allowed them to creates the, with their, huh? There's another story in the Sephardah, you know, that uh, this Nazi, you know, cut the Sephardah in the press, that, uh, you know, that Hashem is rebuking the Jews, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think right yeah, there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, so, but this story brings out how the, the, how the, uh, the menorah's light is, is, is eternal and forever. And, um, there's something about our personal struggles, our, our challenges, our, our ups and our downs that uh, we have to pay attention to, to from the story of Hanukkah to learn how to, uh, how to handle our own challenges from the way the Maccabees did and how they somehow created this e- eternal victory. So what was their secret? So and also in the sixth Torah portion, we read about Yosef having a dream and the dream comes true. What is it about Yosef and the Maccabees that allowed their dreams to come true forever? So look at this from the, from the uh, opinion of the Rambam about the story of Hanukkah. According to the Rambam, the, the, unlike most opinions, the Rambam holds that the Maccabees were victorious over their enemies on the 25th day of Hanukkah. When it was the final victory, the 25th day of Hanukkah. The 25th day of Kislev, rather. Yeah. So that means they entered into the base of Mikdash on the 25th day of Kislev, and then they go to light the menorah. So what, light, what night is that? It's the night of the 26th day of Kislev. So everyone wonders, how come we light the menorah according to Rambam? On the night of the 25th day of Kislev, the first night of Hanukkah should have been the 26th day of Kislev. So one explanation is from the Rubas Abaisim, or David Salvechik, the Rizkarov. He says 
they, they all say the following. They say like this. The Ramam is going according to his own opinion. The Ramam's opinion is that w- there's two parts of the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. There's lighting the menorah, and there's preparing the menorah to be lit. In the morning, the coin takes out the old wick that was burning the whole night, and all the uh, ashes, and he cleans the, the, the cup, and removes the whole layer of ashes and everything. And then at night, they light the menorah. So according to Rambam, removing the ashes is a mitzvah. It's not just a preparation for a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah in itself. So that, they, were, they were fighting for that. Anyway. They were fighting for that, and they, and, they, and they won, and they got the mitzvah of the menorah on the 25th day of Kislev. They, they, they achieved victory, and they got the menorah on that day. The lighting of the menorah was indeed the next night, the 26th day of Kislev. But we celebrate... And we light the menorah on the, on, the, on the first day of Hanukkah because we're celebrating the ability, the victory of being able to cleanse the uh, cup and prepare it to be lit. Right. So the question is, what's so special about cleaning up the ashes, cleaning up the wick? What, is, what does that mean? So the way the Grizz explains it, it seems that there's two parts to, the, to this idea of cleaning up the, the, the cup of the menorah. One part is to actually just clean it. And then there's another to prepare it. Then there is some intrinsic value of the ashes themselves. What do they do with those ashes? So according to Rambam, just like they took the ashes from the inner altar and the outer altar, uh, they put them next to the Mizbech, next to the altar, and, they, and it miraculously was swallowed up in the ground. Time to time, they would take uh, the ashes outside the camp, but the ashes of the Menera were placed next to the, next to the altar. So it was such an important thing to the Kohanim to participate in this service that the Gemara says that they were, the, Kohanim, the way they, they gave this honor was by a race. Whoever made it up the ramp first, he was the one who was given this, this honor. What happened if you, uh, if you were second, you didn't get it? What if you were almost, almost first and someone's, someone's, someone's getting, getting past you? So... It was very challenging for the Kainim to, with, with, to withdraw from this honor. And in fact, one time, Yankel, says the Gemara, knocked Shmerel off the altar, off the, uh, off the ramp, and he broke his leg. And so the Gemara says, in that moment down, they made a new, new rule that this honor is going to be apportioned by a lottery, a lot safer system. But the question is, what was so important about doing this that was so valuable to the Kainim? So there's a discourse of the Alter Rebbe, Al-Tarab explains the meaning of the ashes. The ashes that are put next to the altar and the ashes that are taken outside the camp. And he says there's two different kinds of ashes. What, is, what are ashes? Ashes are things which are dirty. You're going to get rid of them. You know, it not, doesn't seem any very valuable. In fact, we would wonder why in the base of English at all would there be ashes? You'd think in the base of English so many miracles happened. There were never, never any flies in the base of Mikdash. And the, the sacrificial meat, the carbonis, never, uh, never had any foul odor. So what, 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 why wouldn't it be appropriate that in the, in the temple, in the same menorah which has one candle, the Nehemiah the western candle, that always was lit and never was extinguished, there always uh, was, it, 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 all other candles had enough oil to last till the morning, and... The, the Western candle, a miracle happened with it every day, it lasts until the next night. But 
the question is, why is it that Hashem saw fit to leave the ashes there in the first place? What's, what's the value of the ashes? And which ashes are the ones that are part of the service? You put them next to the altar and they're swallowed in the ground. And what are the ashes which are taken outside the camp? Everything in the Torah is a message for us in our service of Hashem. What does that have to do with us? So the altar says like this. What's, what's, what are ashes? Ashes are, th- are a thing. Look at the ashes and you know that something has died. Something is gone. There was a fire here before. And now the fire is no longer here. There was something that the fire burned, and that thing is no longer here. Now all you have is the ashes. So inside of ourselves, we have a similar experience. When we feel very dry, we feel very empty, we feel like, like that we wish we could be excited about our Judaism. We wish we could be excited when we dive in, and excited when we learn, excited when we give tzedakah. And we don't feel that excitement. We feel uchi. So the author says that those ashes... Are actually, are actually valuable. Those, those ashes are actually the preparation for the next fire. A lot of people, when they start keeping Judaism, they come back Shuvah, and they have this euphoric this excitement, and they look like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're climbing up the uh, ski slope, and they're going to go higher and higher, and just never, go, never, never fall. And then when they do, they don't know what to do with themselves. Like, wow, how, how did that happen? I, I was going higher and higher and higher, but... Everybody goes up and everybody goes down, and halavai uh, vanity. So, so um, uh, that's the meaning of the the ashes. The ashes are actually a a. Uh, if we didn't have the ashes, we didn't have that empty feeling. We didn't have that dryness. We didn't have that 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 burnt out feeling. We wouldn't ever rise again. It's that burnt out feeling that we have that makes us want to do more. It's the emptiness that we feel after we've risen, after we've gone so high, that is a sign that, we are, that we're missing something. In other words, that's in the Pasuk, the people walking in darkness saw a great light. When do, you, when do you feel that you're walking in darkness when you've once seen a great light? If you never saw a great light, you wouldn't know you're in the dark. A, a blind person from birth does not, doesn't feel uh, different when he's walking, you know, in, in a dark in a, in a dark place. What makes us feel so so empty is our our is our because there's a part of us that yearns for this connection to Hashem, that wants this connection to Hashem, and therefore we feel missing. We don't have it because we once felt it, and there's a part of us that's missing it. That's why we feel upset. So that that upsetness is the ashes, and it's very valuable. There was. Um, a Jew who was part of the um, group of soldiers that liberated the Western Wall. And he wasn't, not only was not very religious, he was very apathetic, not just atheistic, but he was very like, like, I don't care about this stuff, like, leave me alone. And, and he was crying like a baby. And one of his fellow soldiers was like, why are you crying? He says, I'm crying because I'm not crying. And everyone else is crying. Everyone feels, else feels a connection. I don't feel that connection. I'm crying because I'm not crying. So this is uh, similar to what the Tzemach Tzedek said to a chassid, complained to the Tzemach Tzedek. He says, I have machshava zaras during davening. I have extraneous, I have thoughts I shouldn't be thinking about during davening. The Tzemach Tzedek says, so what? He said, what do you mean? I want to daven to Hashem and I have all these thoughts coming to my head. In Hebrew, the word machshava zaras means strange thoughts. One... 
just to veer off for a second, another story. There was a guy who came to complain to his rabbi. He says, I have strange thoughts. He says, those aren't strange thoughts. Those are your own. <laughs> those are Makshavah's artists. But here, but, but conversely, the, 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 the Hasidic, the, the, the Chabad Hasidic version of the story is the story of Tzimach Tzedek. Where he's complained, Tzimach Tzedek, he has these strange thoughts, and Tzimach Tzedek says, the fact that it bothers you indicates that these are indeed strange thoughts, and they're not your own thoughts. The fact that you don't want them to be there, that shows that there's something there in you. The fact that we fall is because there's something in us that makes us fall. Who is in, what, what, why is the Samach Mem? Why is the Yitzhahara? Why, 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 why are we challenged when you make a step forward? What, where is that coming from, that challenge? That challenge is from the Yitzhahara. What, what, the fact that there's, that there's a challenge means that there's something to steal from. That means that you're, you have a, you have a value. You have something there, and therefore you're, you're, you're being challenged. It's not because... Hashem gives the camel the burden that the camel can handle. So if I am want to steal, I'm going to steal where there's money. So I'm not going to steal where there's no money. If I, am, if I have a richness inside myself, the Yitzhahara is going to look for me because he knows that I have something inside me that he, he could steal. The fact that we fall means that we have a holy fire in us. The fact that we have ashes, the fact that we feel upset about where we are is because of we, we know where we're supposed to be. So this is why davening is compared to the sacrifices. Just like when they brought the sacrifices, there was ashes left over, so too when you daven, as you get into it, the Torah puts in these things, the davening has, has as you get further and further into the davening, there are more and more ashes. What do I mean? When you get into davening, after you say, the altar says, how come in the middle of Shemana Esri, we say, forgive us, atone for us. Why don't you just, before you start davening, ask for forgiveness, and then start davening. The answer is, is that you don't even realize there are things to ask forgiveness for until you get into it. When you feel the love and closeness to Hashem, then you feel that you're, uh, that you're missing something. My Altazader, Avraham Yar, he was once for bringing on, uh, on during the 10 days of Shuva. You know, for bringing, they serve alcohol. And a Hasidically challenged man walks into the Febreng and he's like, the 10 days of Tshuva too? You guys are making these parties? Like, what, what's going on? So my elder Zayda told him the following. I'm not going to convey it the way he did, but the way I heard it from Klish Lishi, it was like this. That, um, that when someone sins against the king, the king has an option. Option is off with his head. Throw him in the dungeon. But that's not going to accomplish anything. The real, what you really want to do is you want to explain to this person what a king is, who the king is, and how, how devoted the king is, and what the king does for this person, and why this person's life is only is dependent on the king. And when he understands exactly who the king is, what the king is all about, then he himself will have, will, will have a total reversal inside himself, a whole revolution within, and, a one, and he will, he'll, that, that will cause a transformation. And for that, Rav Ramayor said, you have to have a fabring. You have to you have to say l'chaim, l'chaim. So middle of davening, we say forgive us because then we get need to be forgiven. We finish from yesterday. You say that the confessionary prayer because then you get need to be forgiven. It's kind of like the Rebbe Ashab told the previous Rebbe after Yom Kippur. He said to him, I have to start doing tshuva. Why start doing tshuva after Yom Kippur? The answer is is specifically after you reach the highest level of Yom Kippur, then you realize oh there's so much more. Or in Yom Kippur itself, who are the people which are so into it in Yom Kippur? The, the ones who come once a year, not necessarily. People are into davening, they're into their learning. They're the ones who are sensitive to their faults and they're sensitive to, to how much more they're supposed to be. 
I remember someone, uh, Rabbi Atuch Sidim in Rawa, uh, someone was telling me about them. Uh, Rabbi, no, no, no. Son Leach, Agadol, his name is Son Leach. Son Leach, basically, they, 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 the, whole, the whole Yom Kippur, they just stand in the same place and they cry the whole Yom Kippur. The mom is the whole Yom Kippur, crying the whole Yom Kippur. Son Leach, Bonitsky. Anyways, so um, think about your children. Your children grow up and they say, Mommy, Daddy, my pants don't fit anymore. What do you say? Wow, that's because you're growing. And so too, so too emotionally they, they develop. And they say, you know, Mommy, I shouldn't have spoken to you the way I spoke to you yesterday. That's a good sign. That, 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 that's a sign of growth. That's the meaning why our prayers are, are like the sacrifices. They leave ashes. They leave us feeling that we're missing something. So, huh? I mean, there was good fire, and there's still some, something there. Some there was a group of, of college students who came to the Rebbe and they asked all kinds of interesting, insolent questions, chutzpah questions. Sometimes you need chutzpah question to discover something. So one of them asked the Rebbe. I heard that the Rebbe has. Um, it doesn't. I heard that a Rebbe. They say about the, the Rebbe. I heard a Rebbe doesn't make mistakes. Does the Rebbe have an eraser on his pencil? And the Rebbe said, a Rebbe has an eraser on his pencil because the Rebbe goes higher and higher. So without the ashes, without the feeling of, of we're missing something, we wouldn't get very far. That's what the Torah says. Right after it says to take the ashes outside the camp, what does it say? It says, it says um, a constant fire should be on the altar. Take the, fire outside, take the ashes off the, off the altar, and there should be a constant fire. What gives you the constant fire it's the fact that you feel that you're missing something. The, uh, the fact that you feel this, 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 it's a sign that there's something in you. That's what the Torah says, lift up the ashes. These ashes are what lift you up and they bring you to the next level. Without them, there wouldn't be, a, there wouldn't be an impetus to grow. So when we look at the ashes, we have to remember two things. Number one is that there was once a fire here that we could see. And number two, that this is a preparation for the next fire. This is there to remind us we're supposed to light the menorah again. That, this, that there's a fire within us that needs to be lit. And this is why um, the um, Torah says that there are two kinds of ashes. One group of ashes is put next to the altar, part of the service. Then there's another group of ashes. What's the other group of ashes? The other group of ashes are meant to be thrown outside, thrown away, not just from the altar, not just from the temple, but, but thrown out of, out of the camp, completely away from Jerusalem. It can't be there. Why? What are those ashes? Those ashes are very similar to the first, but very not. The, the first ashes are called in Hasidic lexicon, miros, bitter, bitterness. It's such a strong feeling. I, I want to do better. The second are, 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 are uh, ashes are ashes of depression. Ashes which say to you, you are worthless. You can't do anything. You're, you, you, what you've done is, 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 is has no value. Those ashes, Altebis says, throw out of the camp. They're not going to help you. Like the story that I share all the time about the guy sitting by the Rebbe's Hebrengen, and the Rebbe says, one action is better than a thousand, thousand sighs. So what does the guy do by the, when he hears this? <laughs> Oy! So the Rebbe says, when a Jew hears one, hears a one action is better than a thousand sighs, what does he do? He starts to sigh. It's opposite of serving Hashem. It's opposite of the, of, of, of the, sheet, the, the, the path of Chabad. It's true you have to make a calculation of what happened, but that's only in order to, not to feel like a doormat, it's only in order to do better the next day. So, 
when we we feel that we've fallen, we have to know two things. We have to know that 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 as we say in our prayers, remove the sudden from in front of us, remove the sudden from behind us. What does that mean? Before you do the wrong thing, Yitzhara says to you, enjoy it, you deserve it, let go, just relax. And then after you do the thing that you're not proud of, what does Yitzhara say to you? You see, I told you, you're a goy, you're worthless, completely worthless. So in front of us and then behind us. And so when, when we, we fall, we have to realize that, uh, that there is a reason we're falling. The reason we're falling is because we have in, inside of us two parts, Yitzhah and Yitzhah And when we've fallen, we feel we're missing something because our, our Nisham is still there. When the Nisham appears to Maishrabi, he appears to him first in a burning bush. What's a burning bush? The fire in the burning bush is a fire of holiness, a fire of wanting to be close to Hashem. The burning bush is the Yitzhahara. Hashem tells Meishah, and you should know that, the, that until Mashiach comes, the bush will not be burnt. Until Mashiach comes, you're going to have Yitzhahara. It's going to come back. It's, you can't completely erase it with your love for Hashem. It's going to come back. And it's meant to come back in order to bring you to a higher fire the next time, to go to, 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 go to a higher place than what you were before. It's, that, that feeling of despondency is meant to bring you up, not to bring you down. It's, it, you were lifted up by the ashes. This explains how interesting halacha that we have by the menorah. The Mara says that when you light the menorah, if the menorah goes out, you're not responsible to relight the menorah. Once you lit the menorah, don't worry about it. People do relight the menorah. It's a good thing. You're supposed to uh, relight the menorah. It's not an obligation, according to this opinion. You've done your mitzvah. You could relight it. It's nice to relight it, but you're not in zakkakal. No obligation. No obligation. Why? What Hashem is telling us through this mitzvah is that you, you say to yourself, I've, I've davened yesterday, it was great, but I know that it's worthless because today I didn't daven. Today I didn't do it. Today I yelled at somebody. Today I, I, I uh, wasn't kind to somebody. Today I, did it, I had a behavior which leaves much to be desired. So what I did yesterday was worthless. So Hashem tells you, no, no, no. What you did yesterday, Hashem recreates the world every second, and yesterday is forever. Every moment is forever. Every mitzvah is forever. And Hashem tells you, Aish, fire has ashes. It's, and there is something there that's left. It's not, you haven't completely eradicated the Yitzhahara. And the fact that Yitzhahara is attacking you is not because you're not normal. It's not because you're weird that you fall. It's not because you're the, you're the only guy in the world that has the Yitzhahara. I know one Jew, he came to the Rebbe the first, first time and uh, he wrote to the Rebbe, all, he thought he was supposed to tell the Rebbe, all the his machshavas all the things he shouldn't be thinking about. So he wrote a long letter, telling him, he felt like he is the only male in Moscow. He is the only guy who has all these kinds of kinds of things that are going on in their head. And the Rebbe told him to even uh, cup to to vote to put himself into learning till it's over his head. And uh, but the point I want to say is that that we're, that if we fall and we rise, that just means that we're human. As the Gemara says, even tzaddikim have, don't rest in the world. They're always supposed to go higher and higher. And even those who are not tzaddikim, we, 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 we rise and we fall, and it's normal. And the purpose of this feeling of, of, of why is this, of this emptiness after we've risen, after we've fallen, and we, this emptiness is meant to be an impetus to, no, I'm missing something. I still have a fire in me that wants to be close to Hashem. And that's why, that, that's why I, 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 I feel lacking when it's not there. The Baron of Kalin famously said, where sadness 
can bring you, no sin can bring you. Where happiness can bring you, no mitzvah can bring you. So two things. First thing is that there is a negative feeling that has a positive value. The, the feeling of like, I, I want to do better. I want to, I want to be closer. I feel empty without that love to Hashem that I felt the day before. That's good. That, that ashes means you once had a fire and that's your bother. You don't, you don't feel that way today. That's good. That's a good feeling. That, that's meant to be there. That's a good thing. Um, and that's the Torah says, put that, those ashes are part of the service. Put them next to the altar. But there are other ashes, the Torah says, thrown out of the camp. And those are the ashes of, of despondency, of depression, of saying to yourself, you're worthless. You're, 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 the fact that you've fallen means you, you, that, that you are hopeless. So those ashes, Shem says, those aren't going to help you. That's from the Samach That's from Klippe. The first ashes are from Gdusha. The first ashes are holy. They're going to make you light the fire again in a different way than you did before. So uh, it is a little bit of a dangerous subject because the Rebbe says in our time, we can't even do the first kind of ashes. The first kind of, kind of ashes for most of us uh, is, is going just going to make us, make it, are going to paralyze us. But I'm, but I'm, I'm pointing out, though, that in the times that we do uh, feel like we're missing something, you need to do something with it. It's not just, it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's when you feel we're missing something, you're not supposed to focus on this, these kind of ashes today. That says for two reasons, we don't need to have these bitter, bitter feelings. Reason number one is because of the Holocaust and all the different pain the Jewish people experienced, so they don't need to be cleansed anymore, that said, through, through feelings of bitterness. Reason number two, that Rebbe said, is because we're about to enter the time of Mashiach, and uh, so therefore it's not, it's, we're, we're identical to being on a, on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon before Shabbos. In history, there are seven days of the week corresponding to the seven millennia. So we're on Friday afternoon. It says in Tanya, you should only have bitterness on Thursday night, once a week. A Thursday night, you should focus on being bitter about what's going on in your life. But the Rebbe says, we're already past that. We're, we're on Friday afternoon. So bitterness is not a, a, a thing we should focus on. But yet, there are bitter feelings. And when they're, when, they are, when they're there, we should know what to do with them. And that is... It's, those feelings are a sign that you once had something amazing in you and that you can have that again and that's why you're bothered. That's why Yitzhahar is trying to rob your bank because there's money there. All right, that's one the, and that was the secret of the Maccabees. And that's why they created this light that lasts forever. What, what, how did they create the light that lasts forever? Because they saw, as the Baal Shantav says, light is America equivalent to the word secret. Or is 207 and Raz is 207. 207. What allows you to illuminate a situation knowing the secret of it, knowing what's inside it? Why do you feel bitter? Why do you feel upset? Because you could do better, because there's a part of you that wants this. And the, the bitter feeling is meant to create something deeper. If you feel that, we're, that something's going on, I'm, I'm empty, where is it coming from? It's, 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 not, it's not anything else other than a calling for an ashama, dig deeper. And to find that pure cruise of oil and, and light them in the era and in a way that lasts forever. And that this is uh, this is how we get to the uh, to the finish line. The finish line. Any questions or comments? That's good. All right. Because we should get the time with no questions or comments. Time via some Mashiach.